This is a podcast version of a radio show by K103 Gothenburg Student Radio. Find us at k103.se. Due to copyright, the music is shortened. Welcome to Ordinary Observations with Jack and Mark. This week we're talking about the high seas and the beast witch luck within. That's right, you salty sea dogs. It's sea monster time. It's fucking sea monster time. Baby. Let's go. All right. You're a bit of a salty sea dog yourself, Jack. I've spent a little time on the deep blue, but uh, I wouldn't consider myself. I, I, I don't attach a high degree of my personality we've, to those. We've shows. both got seafaring vessels. I do. I'm, I own a pleasure craft myself. <laughs> I'm also a pleasure craft owner. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. uh, so, I mean, are you, yeah. you're afraid of the ocean? Or oh, a little bit. A little bit, yeah, definitely. D- deep yeah. water, at least. Yeah, I definitely noted that I wanted to record this like on a boat in, in the lake, just to add to it, the just mystery of it all. Freaking yourself out. <laughs> talking about just panic hor- attacks. <laughs> horrific, unimaginable horrors beneath you. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Yeah, so we thought, you know, it's October time. Why don't we just scare everyone? No one's going in the lakes anytime soon. No. Sw- swimming season's pretty much over now. Yes. It's time to learn about the beast which lie within. Yeah, exactly. Start off. Uh, how's um, unemployment, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's fun. Yeah? Yeah, it's good. Yeah, time to do some research for us today. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just nice. learning about Nessie. And- <laughs> nice. If anybody's got a job out there for Mark, uh, please give us a call. <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> <laughs> just out him like that. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. Uh, anyway, sea monsters. It's First Nessie. up, <laughs> yeah. First up oh, the most obvious. Nessie. The basic. Yeah, so the, the Loch Ness Monster. Of course. Commonly referred to as Nessie. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, of course, it's, it's your basic sea monster. Everyone knows it, but that's the point as well. Everyone knows it. It's a good thing. That's a good place to start. Start yeah. us off. Everybody knows the sea monster, right? But I think, oh, sorry, Nessie. But I don't think many people know that much about it. Yeah, not in detail. No. So... The first, it's a bit debated, but the first like recorded story of the Loch Ness Monster dates back from 560-something, like 1,500 years ago. There's some Irish Catholic saint yeah, same. guy pesting around, what was his name? Saint uh, Columba? Columba. Columba, yeah. Yeah. So apparently he came, he came along a group of people on the banks of the River Ness, so not exactly the Loch itself, but yep. pretty close, you know. And they were burying some poor bastard who had just apparently been killed by some beast lurking yeah. beneath the river. And so he, he comes along and then he's talking to these people and he's like, oh, well, I'll make one of my boys swim after yeah, it then. Get in. Yeah. <laughs> At which point I'd be like, well, fuck you, dickhead. Yeah, I'm not you, going. You what first. do you think? Just because you're a saint, you can tell me to go for a swim after this horrific sea beast? <laughs> well, I mean, I pay your wages, so. Happy days. Pre- presumably. So he goes, this guy goes in and then the monster reappears at which point saint columba does like the the power of christ compels you kind of shit yeah it goes full exorcist mode and yeah. <laughs> drives the beast away apparently the beast is like stops moving as if it's restrained by ropes kind of thing and then yeah. dragged back into the river behind yeah. him his god-fearing <clears throat> powers back into the high sea yeah so that's that's the first recorded Wow, debated instance of a oh, some kind of beast of a recorded like, oral tradition of a uh, of a monster in Loch Ness. Yeah. But the the cultural, what do you call it? The cultural analysis, analysis, uh, an- analyst, analyst, yeah. The cultural anthropologists. Oh yeah, that's the one. They somehow do these kind of analysis analyses, sorry, and it's sort of they they don't consider this story to be part of the Loch Ness 
cultural or oral tradition. Okay. So it's a bit debatable. The, the jury's still out on like if you can count this as part of. Is it just fun Celtic mythology? Or if it's just like around. yeah, it's just expanded old Celtic Celtic mythology. Apparently, yeah. stories involving or like autobiographical stories written by saints were huge on sea monsters anyway. Yeah, it's definitely <laughs> true. I mean, Ireland is an island, you know, mm. they have to have some fun beasts which, yeah, yeah. which so come off the Apparently they were, they were always like, oh, making up some fucking sea beasts to make <laughs> himself look like a saint. A lot of sea serpents too, I think. Yeah, exactly. So another thing I don't think a lot of people know is how big Loch Ness is. You ever been to Loch Ness? I've never been to Loch Ness. I've been there. You've been there. You've yeah, been, it's massive. You've been swimming. No, I'm too afraid. <laughs> no. No, that's probably fair enough too. But Loch Ness is the largest, or oh, sorry, by volume, yeah. the largest lake in the UK. Yeah, exactly. And not, it has a, it's it's quite a, it's quite a deep lake. Exactly. So and it's it not has um, many largest, caves as well. Right. In the lake. Yeah, that's yeah. creepy. Yeah, so, so that's always the thing. It's not the largest by area, but it is the largest by the volume, volume of water. Yeah. That's because it's so deep. Yeah. yeah. And full of caves. So there's plenty of fucking room for lurking yeah, yeah, down there. Yeah, there's plenty of little habitats for a wee nessie or two. Also, the water visibility, famously very low. Yeah, it's super it's super murky. Oh. Yeah, yeah, surrounded by like peat, ter- mm-hmm. peat grounds and stuff. So lots of shit. You can't see very far at all. Yeah. Uh, yeah, again, perfect for lurking. Yeah, this, this definitely adds to the atmosphere of it all, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the next part is not for about thirteen hundred years until the next yes. s- 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 supposed sighting. So uh, lying, long, long time, or is it lying dormant in oh, the deep? Well, who knows? But in about eighteen hundred something, some bloke saw you know what he described to be a large salamander. Uh, <laughs> how did they even know what that? Yeah, is? I, I don't know how a, how a Scotsman in 1888 knew what a large cylinder looked like, yeah. but whatever. It's not a really important thing. The point here is that there was no real Loch Ness tradition before that. Yeah, exactly. And then in 1933, that's when Loch Ness monster was first, like the term Loch Ness monster was first used in a newspaper. Yeah. Uh, and then it, things really started heating up from there. This was around the time when uh, King Kong was released, right? Exactly. So yeah. there's a really interesting coincidence here, you yeah. might say. Is that 1933? Some like water master of some description wrote this article about the Loch Ness monster, and at, at the same time, just that same year, the King Kong was released. The mm. movie King Kong, the old one, and in that King Kong fights this like large plesiosaur-shaped big sea, sea yeah, and in, in a dirty lake somewhere yeah. in a forest or something, and then. All of these sightings of the supposed Loch Ness monster start coming in, and they're all quite similar to the monster people have seen in the movie. Yeah, the descriptions match quite mm. a lot there. So that's a really interesting thing. Also, combined with the fact that only a year or so later, uh, the construction of the road alongside Loch Ness was completed. Mm. So previously, the loch was quite remote. Yeah, very isolated, and then it yeah, gets hard, a lot of access to it then. Hard to, hard to get to, and then uh, suddenly access booms, um, and... All these people have just seen... So do the sightings, yeah. <laughs> all these people have just seen King Kong fight this beast. Yeah. Uh, suddenly they start seeing it in their own leg. So a little bit of a coincidental thing there. Um, yeah, some some sightings even supposedly see the monster crossing the road. Yeah, some people have said that they've seen it like fully go out of the water. But... Yeah, fully out of the water, like eating a deer on the side of the road mm. or something. Or like 
a big cumbersome monster lurching its way yeah. across <laughs> and they, like they're wailing beaching itself yeah. yeah and they're driving along the road and they've got suddenly just about run into it mm. some guy on his motorcycle said he crashed into it and <laughs> <laughs> um but then yeah, 1934 is when we got the surgeon's photograph yeah which is the famous one you think of if you search Loch Ness monster right now so that's, this this is the one that most people have seen exactly that's the picture you're gonna find yeah it's that grainy black and white one but it looks quite small on the picture, I'd say. Yeah, because the picture's cropped in quite close. Mm-hmm. So mm. if you actually see the full picture, it looks a lot smaller than yeah. what the most famous version of that picture looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, but so that was this bloke. Apparently, the story goes is this dude was working for the Daily Mail. And he went up to Loch Ness, was looking for some proof, and he found some footprints. And so he comes back and he's like, fuck yeah. I got these footprints. You know, this you is go big now, This yeah. is hot. Like, yeah. proof. And he comes back and they laugh him out the building because apparently it was a proved hoax. This was just a hippopotamus foot. All right. Somebody had used a hippopotamus foot. Somehow they got a hippopotamus foot to make these markings in the mud. And so he got laughed, laughed out of the building, told to fuck off. And so he sort of doubled down. Oh, yeah. And so he's like, well... If they already know that it's fake, at least I can fake it more to make them believe it's real and make them feel stupid. Yeah, get yeah. back at them. You know, like, I can live with the secret myself, but yeah. I can't live with the embarrassment of them knowing the secret before me kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So he and his mates, like, gets his nephew involved. He gets a few friends. His name's Marmaduke Weatherall, by the way. So <laughs> What a name. <laughs> yeah, Marmaduke. I wouldn't uh, trust a Marmaduke. No, 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 no. no. Especially not a, not a Marmaduke who's got pictures of the Loch Ness Monster. Nah, creepy. No. So he gets this toy submarine. And they get a bit of builder's putty, you know, like they yeah, I see, I fill, see filling gaps and it. stuff. Yeah, mm. and, and they, they kind of construct a little snake, right, that they can go on the lake. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so they they drive them around, um, and then yeah, apparently it's sunk in there. So there is sort of a Loch Ness monster in the Loch Ness still. Or, mm. or there could be two. Yeah. Or, or. Oh, hey. <laughs> but you kind of you kind of got to respect like the hustle. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> dude's like it's funny. Dudes <laughs> get dude gets roasted by his employer. But it, if it is funny to think that like obviously the little snake he built was quite tiny, and then he's coming back with like hippopotamus footprints as well. No, well, he didn't. He didn't bring the hippopotamus footprints. Yeah, yeah. But he found them. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So that's the good one. Uh, and that was that was like considered genuine proof for sixty years. Like people, for quite a while. Yeah, people believed that photo. So I he, he also never gave it up as well. well. I don't know when he died, but uh, I mean, if he died during that sixty years, he got away with it probably. Yeah. So well, at least to his knowledge, to the grave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To his knowledge, um, but some other people thought, you know, they looked at that picture and they were just like, "That's a fucking." It's obviously bullshit. It's yeah. a fat swan, or some people even thought it was like an elephant. Yeah. Yeah. And I was thinking, I mean, <laughs> I would consider, be equally amazed if there was an elephant in there. Got to consider this is also rural Scotland in the 30s. Yeah. yeah so there was theories that like a uh, circus passing through the area would have let the elephant jump out for a swim kind of thing. Oh, yeah. And that's that's the trunk that you're seeing or that it's just an elephant in another lake somewhere. And somebody's just trying to pass it off as Loch Ness. Um, but they've done... You know, so that's the sort of main sighting, the biggest picture you can think of, the most famous picture. There's been a handful of other sightings and dodgy photographs over the years, all either proven to be fake or just, you know, a log or something. Un- yeah, or, or like seals, for example. Yeah, or something. seals is a big one. Mm. Um, this this is actually a good one. In 1934, an insurance baron by the name of Edward Mountain, never trust a man named uh, Edward Mountain for sure, No. Um, financed a search. 
And he's a finance guy. As well. uh, uh, sorry, uh, insurance guy. Even worse. Yeah, never trust that kind of bloke. But he paid like 20 dudes to sit around the lock with binoculars and cameras for five weeks or something like that. Yeah. From like a nine to five job. That's so good, man. <laughs> That's so, like, imagine grabbing 19 other of your mates yeah. and just sitting around. Just probably with a radio each. Yeah. Just sitting back in the sunshine smoking cigarettes <laughs> and like <laughs> looking for the Loch Ness Monster. Chillest job. How many photos did they get? They took 21 photos of Amazing. absolutely nothing. <laughs> just at different angles of the log. Yeah, I mean, it was just a log floating around. Or again, yeah. like no proof, no no consequential proof whatsoever. The supervisor from the study, I guess he was a bit more passionate about it. So I, it Definitely like more academic of them all, probably. Maybe. So yeah. he, he hung out himself for a couple months afterwards. Just once the budget ran out, he was like, well, I'm going to... It's nice up here. Yeah, yeah I'm going to keep going. You know, I'll keep looking. And uh, he managed to get a photo of what turned out to be a seal in the end. Yeah. So. Yeah, this is very common where they just... Because obviously if it's a baby seal or something, it just pops its head out and it can look like a big serpent or something. But mm-hmm. it's never to be. Yeah. All right. So that's uh, the first little part. We'll come back to... Yeah, we'll come back to Nessie. We'll come back to Nessie. But first up, let's hit Lockleard with Moon. You're listening to Gothenburg Student Radio K103. Yes, this is Ordinary Observations. Go ho-ho in a bottle of rum. It's all sea monsters over here at K103. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think you said it best there, man. Um, So we're talking about Loch Ness Monster still? Yeah. Yeah. We're talking about the Loch Ness Monster. Yeah, so it's, I mean, it's like, it feels like the most basic one, but there's still a lot to get Oh, but it's kind of the most famous one, you know? Mm -hmm. Can't have a chat about sea monsters without Nessie. No, exactly. So we've just been over the surgeon's photograph, which was the most obvious... uh, picture you're aware of everybody knows the one and the insurance baron yeah there's an insurance baron looking for it took a nice picture of a seal eventually but didn't get anything else so we're up to about the 70s and 80s there was a big search for nessie then where they'd kind of use like sonar sonar um, radar technology from boats yeah well they had a sort of club there for a while with like a thousand members that hung out for a long time they had like caravans and they would just park and laybys on the side of the road and i don't <laughs> Sounds know they, so chill, they, they did get some funding for some of it eventually but again nothing ever came yeah. of it so they did at one point get like a fleet of 20 boats yeah, yeah with exactly. some sonar on it and they went back and forth just like trawling the lake trawling kind of, it yeah. in a line yeah um again loch ness is like really thin so that kind of helps in that regard yeah it's very cool though mm. to see that yeah, it's kind of cool, but they, again, they found nothing. So. Yeah. Uh, well, they found because three, there's a lot of caves. They found three <laughs> three strange bumps in the sonar reading. So mm. the humps of Nessie, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, in 2003, the BBC sponsored a search in order to make a documentary. Yeah, this is funny. Yeah, <laughs> they used 600 sonar beams. Or do you reckon they got in the caves or? No, they still can't reach the caves, man. Too deep. Okay, so even th- these... <laughs> Whatever you say, the caves still win. <laughs> Apparently, these sonar devices had the resolution to detect a small buoy. Yeah. Not, you know what I mean? But yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The fishing thing. Yeah, they, <laughs> they found nothing. Yeah. Uh, which is incredible, actually, to think they must have spent a lot of cash on that. It must be millions yeah, to so do that. <laughs> in order to make a documentary. Just to do the documentary, Which yeah. then, in itself, because they found nothing, proves that you don't need to bother watching the documentary. The documentary also turned out to be nothing, too. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, so, that's a really expensive documentary that you don't need to watch. Yeah. Mm. And then, finally, of the most famous studies in 2018, a study led by a researcher from the University of Otago. Shout out. Big shout out there. That, that's 
That's the university I went to. So yeah, yeah. you can tell we're highly educated people spend our time on. This is ordinary observation. We spend bro. our time on really important stuff. <laughs> but so, yeah, they focus on making a DNA study of the lock. So they cruised around and took samples, analyzed it, to see if there's any strange. It's pretty, it, it makes sense, really. If there's yeah. any, I think that's the best way to go about it. Yeah, strange, rather yeah. than trying to find it specifically, at least see if there's any, you know, fucking dinosaur DNA in yeah. there or whatever. They took samples, analyzed it, um, nothing to indicate any large fish or reptile species in there so only time will tell yes <laughs> they found a they found a heap of eel dna yeah and so the guy was like well i mean i can't rule out that it's a giant eel <laughs> but it's just it could be eels too. but it could just be a lot of eel sized eels and i can assure you it's more likely that <laughs> i think that seems pretty reasonable <laughs> yeah so that was that's nessie i think that's the most of nessie yeah they, they had another big search for it recently but yeah uh, nothing came of that to my knowledge oh, sadly mm. just a good introvert good old nessie hiding in a cave in the lake you're forever do you believe mm. i wouldn't want to swim in there it's the only thing uh do you believe i, I, I want i want, I to, want believe. to believe yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. but i just don't think i i can bring myself to believe well we'll but, see but if i was water skiing behind a boat in the middle of loch ness You'd be shit. I'd be yourself. fucking nervous about falling <laughs> off. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It would be on my mind, put it that way. To be gobbled up by a big <laughs> large eel. Anyway, yeah. you know what globsters are? I do because I've researched them over the last week or so. Yeah, for our for our seafaring viewers out there. For our <laughs> landlubber viewers yeah, out there. For our landlubbers. So globster is basically any kind of unidentified carcass from the sea that ends up on the beach or on land or kind of like picked up out of the sea. Mm. And uh, sometimes it's been eaten, rotted, pulled apart, so you can't exactly see what kind of animal it used to be. Yeah, so... so it's, it's mysterious, basically. It's just a massive hunk of something. Flesh, basically. Yeah, something biological. Yeah, so basically this can creates a lot of controversy by untrained obser- observers <laughs> who find like them. yourselves? Yeah, but... <laughs> like, like us? Like yeah. us. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just imagining a lot of old muckers at the beach finding some weird organic mass, you know? yeah. But could you imagine, like, uh, being on your morning walk in a small fishing town, you know, got to think, like, 100, 150 mm. years ago, and you just find a huge stinking mess of a um, sea monster. Of flesh. <laughs> yeah. And you can't, there's no distinguishable features on it. No, no, there's, mm. not, there's not a single thing that makes you th- know what it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a lump of meat. Yeah, so this is... Rotting meat. So the whole globster thing is where a lot of sea monster controversy comes from. So mm-hmm. someone finds a huge carcass on the beach and thinking that a dead beast or another Nessie has, like, washed up on their shores, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, usually it's described as looking like a giant octopus, and most of the time it's confirmed to be a whale carcass or a bit of a shark. Okay. Yeah. And any, uh, some famous... famous examples? Yeah, some famous, some famous globsters <laughs> of the world <laughs> are the... Uh, the, the beautifully named the Bermuda Blob, the <laughs> yeah. Chilean Glob, and the New Zealand Globster. Fuck yeah. Really and the New Zealand Globster was described as a big grey mess with thick hair, and it turned out to Ooh. be an old piece of whale. Hair? Yeah. Do whales have hair? Yeah, they have hair. What? Yeah. On the outside? Yeah. What? Where? I, I think they have like some thin amount of hair, but then it huh. could be bits of something else. I don't know. No, because they got that, that mouthful of the stringy shit to filter out plankton and stuff. Yeah, it could be mm. a bit hairy. Oh. Yeah, so oh, that's that, fucked that's up. Globsters. That's Globsters. All right, that's Globsters. This is Blender. <laughs> Habits. K103 is a part of Student Radio in Sweden. 
Yar! <laughs> You're listening to K103, Gothenburg Student Radio. This is Ordinary Observations with Mark and Jack. We're talking Monsters of the Deep. The Beasts of the Seas. The Beasts of the Seas, the beasts that lurk beneath the waves. Next up, it's my boy the Tanifa, or... Shout out. Well, yeah, the genius of Tanifa. So, uh... For those of you not in the know, not in the... Not in the Māori mythology, yeah, no. Yeah, not, not so deep into Māori mythology. The Tanifa is a Māori uh, mythical beast, I suppose. Part of the Māori mythology. The Māori, the indigenous people of Aotearoa, New Zealand. Um, so, yeah, Tanifas are usually depicted as, like, large lizard-shaped creatures. They have, like, a row of spines down their back, and they usually got, like, four arms, like a big lizard, you know, kind of yep. thing. Uh, typically living in rivers or caves or in the sea they can live in the sea and in the sea they often take the form of more like whales or sharks kind of things okay so it can, but can like shift the, as well yeah yeah they can shape shift yeah but the kind of um famous depictions are usually like a big lizard kind of deal nice yeah so they're pretty cool um they're they're capable of shape shifting rather than like it considered an actual cryptid like the uh Loch Ness monster yeah um, but they can actually be protectors of people, so they're not just like not just beasts. Dependent on the sort of oral tradition of the tribal area that they're related to, they can be protectors or they can be evil as well. In some stories, they would even like kidnap women to to keep as wives. Okay. <laughs> so, um, but Tanifas can actually be female as well. So okay, mm-hmm. that's interesting. Um, Never heard of it. So yeah, yeah. So that's pretty cool. Some can tunnel through the earth. And in some oral traditions, like of the Maori oral traditions, tiny fires are actually responsible for creating some of the bays or uh, harbors or rivers in New Zealand. Okay, nice. Mm, mm, dig by they just dig away at the coastline. Yeah, and just make a huge way there. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, so the tiny fire of the Kuiper is a pretty good story. He sees three women one day out picking berries, so he starts chasing them. Obviously, that's the logical thing to do if you're a tiny far yeah so i guess he's not a protected tiny far he's a, yeah, he's a pest he's a pesting tiny <laughs> yeah. so he catches the first woman and he decides that she's not not quite up to his standards oh yeah he uh so he lets her go he chases after the second one catches her and he sort of feels the same way <laughs> he's a pretty picky tiny far yeah <laughs> and then he, he catches the third the third one who's the youngest and the most beautiful of them and so he takes her home to his cave somewhere and she is forced to be his wife and bear him six sons in the sea um no i don't think so unclear, unclear. Uh, no they just live in a cave somewhere <laughs> presumably on the coastline but yeah yeah so she she gives birth to six sons three of which are also tiny far form mm-hmm. and three of which are human man form okay so a diverse family you might yeah, say that's the tribe <laughs> yeah yeah so um anyway she's she's been harboring this grudge obviously being taken against her will and forced to bear tiny far children and so one day well she she's raising these kids and she teaches the tiny far kids you know how to be good fishermen you know how to where to find the best fish where to find the best berries that kind of thing but she teaches the boy children to be violent soldiers Oh. oh, you see where this is going? Yeah. So one day while <laughs> while, while Big Daddy Tanifar is out, she takes the boys down to the river. I'm like, oh, let's go. Let's go, boys. Let's go fishing. And then... Uh, dun, dun, dun. Yeah, then she tells the, the human children to kill the Tanifar children, which yeah. they do. And then, then they go back to the cave and kill the father as well. Some violent bedtime yeah. stories, man. And so they, they, <laughs> yeah, I mean, so that's 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 the nice part of the story is that the woman and the the boy children get back to the village. 
That's nice. Yeah, I mean, they then make the mistake of going back there and trying to cook up the Tony Far. This was on, on advice from other people from the village. Oh, yeah. So they go back to the cave, try to cook up the Tony Far, at which point they find... They open up the pot and they realize the Tanifa, all the pieces that they'd cut off him have all come back together and he's alive again. <sighs> so that was pretty dumb. Yeah. Yeah. So then he kills a bunch more people. Oh, big, big fuck up. So <laughs> if you ever happen to find yourself face to face with the Tanifa, just leave him be. Yeah. Don't cut him up and boil him again because he'll just come back to life. Yeah. Also, while, nice we're here, <laughs> while, while we're here, um, the mighty Northland Tanifa, the rugby club or the rugby, yeah, the rugby team that represents the region where I'm from at home. Up the mighty Northland Tanifa, um, sort of perennial bottom feeders of New Zealand rugby. Like a Tanifa. Yeah, well, I mean, they're 12th out of 14th at the time of writing. On the, Oof. Yeah. But I still maintain they have the best mascot, mascot in world rugby, the Tanifa. Yeah. It goes fucking hard as shit. It sounds man. sick. Yeah. yeah, he's such a cool dude. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's that's the Tanifa of New Zealand. That's nice. Oh. Hmm? What, what next have we got? Onto another mythical beast, hmm? the Yakumama. Okay, where's that from? It's the, it means mother of water, and it's a giant snake that lives in the Peruvian rainforest. Okay. It's interesting because I think like all kind of cultures, indigenous cultures of the world have some kind of horrible big serpent, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think they needed stories to just keep kids away from bodies of water. Yeah, just not to make sure they don't drown. Yeah, exactly. So you just yeah. tell them, oh, I mean... Drowning doesn't sound that scary to yeah. a child. So just tell them oh, there's a massive, there's a horrific beast in there. in there. Yeah, apparently it was the mother of all creatures that live in water and would suck up and eat anything that passed within a hundred steps of it, according to Peruvian legends. Okay. And it's a huge snake up to 60 meters in length, and it's said to inhabit the Amazon basin. Mm-hmm. 60 meters is massive that's snake. That's fucking big snake. I hate snakes so much. <laughs> 60 meters, that's like... More than half, more than the width of a rugby pitch. Yeah, yeah, it's like half of... Over half a football pitch. Yeah, it's a big it's snake. It's a big snake. I don't like snakes. No. No. Not that big either. No, 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 no. no. Mm. And uh, in the 19, early 1900s, I think 1902, a boat of two men went to put um, explosives in the Amazon basin to try and find this and kill this Yakumama. <laughs> and uh, after their explosives uh, detonated, the snake rose from the river covered in blood but not dead and then the snake swam off and uh, it left the man in a lot of fear because they actually realized that it was real yeah what they found well what were they hoping for uh, they were they were trying to kill it i guess to put it on a big display in a museum you know mm. fill a room with a big snake right, skeleton right but uh yeah so it's always the weird mad lads that have to go out and kill something yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Go find the it. fucking dynamite is like the dumbest way of fishing as well yeah indeed <laughs> And uh, some people believe this creature to be um, the extinct snake known as a titanoboa. Oh, yeah. A snake that grew to around 12, 15 meters. And uh, some scientists speculate that it even grew to much bigger than that. So there was a real snake that yeah. grew to this size, a Th- massive anaconda kind of thing. Titanoboa was real. Yeah. Back in the dinosaur days. And so that's what people reckon the ancient Peruvians based this off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. Just a, a titanoboa that managed to survive the extinction of the dinosaurs. Yeah, and was just massive. Fuck, it just keeps eating Consumed things. things, yeah. Fucking sick. So that was the uh, Yakun, Yakun Mama. The Yakun Mama, the mother of the water. And the... Tanifa. Tanifa. Exactly. This is Green Chatton, Fairlies. Shiver me timbers, it's ordinary observations <laughs> with sea monsters and the beasts of the sea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we've discussed the Yakumama, 
the tiny far, the Loch Ness monster, and some globsters, and some dirty globsters. <laughs> now we're on to another legendary sea monster, the Kraken. Yeah, pretty big, popular one. Yeah, so the Kraken was a was a beast that lived between the waters of Iceland and Norway, and it's a big octopus-like creature, and it was um, first found in Scandinavian folklore. So it was. Um, First described in the modern era in 1700, but um, those okay. descriptions of the Kraken match those from a much older description and the folklore of it all. Mm-hmm. And uh, it had a reputation in the pirate and seafaring world for taking down entire ships and would appear from the depths of the sea and use its huge tentacles to destroy whole boats and send the crewmates down to their watery grave in the david jones locker <laughs> definitely not like i love pirate warning that one in there <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um the legends of the kraken have definitely grown over the years from people citing giant squid which can grow up to 20 meters in size mm. so there may be some aspects of realism to this yeah one yeah so although the term kraken is first found in print in sistema naturae um, from 1735, stories about this monster seem to date back to the 12th century Norway, and uh, they refer to a creature so big that is mistaken for an island or a series of island. And um, the former bishop of Norway, of Bergen, sorry, um, he described the kraken as incontestably the largest sea monster in the world, Wait with a, a s- width of one and a half miles. Wait a second. When was that? 1752. What would the Bishop of fucking Bergen know about big sea monsters? Bro, where's the Bishop of Bergen even been? (laughs) Yeah, 1752. Has he been sailing the high seas for all his life? Has he been a a pirate man He's a in a a, pirate world? Yeah, he's a man of God. He's probably... I doubt it. Just praying away in his church all day. Yeah. I mean, okay. But I mean, mean, okay, a mile and a half long. It's huge. That's a pretty big sea monster. I'd probably assume that to be the biggest in the world, too, if I had proof. Okay. Considering that giant squids have, on at least three occasions in the 1930s, reportedly attacked a ship, while the squids got the worst side of these encounters <laughs> when they slid into the ship's propellers, the fact that they attacked at all these ships shows that um, a creature out there is attacking boats. But so why are they? Some size. Why do giant squids attack boats? So giant squids actually eat whales, really? and they had mistaken these ships for whales. But how do they? How? Do, what? Well, just wrap around it and, and suffocate it or something, yeah. I guess. But uh, giant squids also have claws on their tentacles. Nice. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. Fuck. I've done the research. That's fucking terrifying. <laughs> yeah, That's exactly. More, just as scary as any that sea monster. That is a sea monster. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, interestingly enough, based on the fact that they do attack ships because they mistake them for whales, mm. older ships would have only been like 17, 18 meters long. Yeah, nothing drastic. So if a giant squid was also 15 to 20 meters long, you could definitely see how someone would mistake it for some kind of kraken. If if a massive squid like that can just attack a whole boat, you know? Yeah, yeah. A, 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 That's terrifying. A squid at least as big, perhaps even bigger than the boat you're on. Than the boat itself, yeah. Dragging you down. To the David Jones locker. David Jones locker. <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty miserable. Yeah. I would not be having a good time if that shit started happening. So, yeah, Kraken. It's also rum. That's a monster in itself. That's a fucking... Steady. Yeah, that's a war crime. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that was the Kraken. That's the Kraken. All right, all right, all right. This is Fuse Strafe. Du lyssnar på K103. Batten down the hatches and prepare yourself for the sea monsters. That song went particularly hard. Yep. Uh, this is K103. 
You're listening to Ordinary Observations with Mark and Jack. We are talking about sea monsters, as you just explained. Um, you can listen to this on... We're live on Wednesday nights at 8 o'clock, right? Yep. And anywhere on pod platforms, like, subscribe, share with your friends and grandparents. Mark, uh, where can you find us social-wise? You can also find us on Instagram at Ordinary Observations, where we're going to post some nice uh, content of everything we've been up to. All right, that's enough of the self-sourcing promo Get bullshit. the plugs out Fucking of here. Get that out of the way. Right, the UB85 atrocity. Yes. That's what I want to talk about. The uh, U-boats. You never, you never read about something that's like horrific or like a horror story or something and it's described as an atrocity yeah then you know it's fucking scary yeah yeah yeah. it's messed up especially when it involves um <laughs> so especially when we're talking about sea monsters yeah well sea monsters i mean fuck we've talked about submarines before yeah. submarines are scary at the best of times yeah let alone when they're being attacked by sea monsters the depth the depths and yeah. the of the sea so the ub-85 was a german sub built for the first world war so mm-hmm. it would have been a little bit cooler if there were nazis in this story i think but they weren't at the time nah. No. When I say cooler, I mean, like, it adds to the horror of it. Like, Nazi horror is, like, really Uh, scary. All right. (laughs) You know what I mean? The crossover, when you cross over, like, a Nazi and a horror story, then it gets really, really evil and really, really scary. Oh, maybe. Yeah. I was just going to say, I I guess a U-boat from World War I would have been pretty shit anyway. Yeah, that would have been horrific to be in. Um, But so, the story goes, the UB-85 was a German sub built for the First World War. Right. Evidently now, what happened is that a British patrol ship somewhere in the Irish Sea off the coast of fucking Glasgow or some shit just found it floating on the surface yeah and so that was really odd they were like what's what's, what's going on doing yeah here? what's going on here why aren't they running away what are they doing floating on the top in the daylight kind of thing yeah. and so they they, I guess they putted over and the crew immediately like surrendered no problems hmm. they take the whole suspicious well they take the whole the whole uh, crew on board and take them as prisoner of war kind of thing and they say to the captain, like, what the fuck's going on? Yeah. And so he tells the story that the night previous, they'd come up to recharge the batteries. They'd surfaced to recharge the batteries. I don't know how you recharge batteries. Also to have a smoke, let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they were obviously token away up top, yeah. which would be pretty important to them back in the day, I guess. And, and I mean, the stress of being in a submarine all day. And yeah. You would want a cigarette. Like fuck yeah, that. Fuck that. Yeah. Um, so they come up, they surface, they're charging their batteries. I don't know what that looks like. They're smoking some cigarettes. There's like 30, around 30 crewmen mm. on this submarine. And then some atrocity, some unspeakable horror of the depths has occurred. Jumps up onto the deck of the sub and wraps, ah, yeah, wraps yeah. itself around the, the gun. Yeah. yeah. The sub had a gun on it. for the, Yeah. At the know, top. I don't know yeah. if that was practical, but whatever. It wrapped around the gun and... They were worried that it was going to drag them down because the hatch was still open, obviously. So, oh, shit, if that goes under the waterline, then the whole sub sinks. So all the all the officers on deck smoking cigarettes start pulling out their, their, pistols, their yeah. sidearms yeah. and start shooting at this beast. Eventually, they get it off the off the deck of the ship, off the deck of the sub, but the damage had been done. It had, you know, dented the hull some to some degree, so they couldn't safely descend beneath the waves again. Otherwise, the whole thing would fuck apart. Yeah. So they were just sort of sitting there. It's horrifying. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking terrifying. So they're just sort of sitting there, like just waiting to be found, arrested, arrested yeah. by some British patrol ship in yeah. the Irish Sea. Mm. So that's the UB eighty five atrocity. Unfortunately, um, a researcher at Bournemouth University had to ruin everybody's fun. Fuck's sake. Yeah. Like Bournemouth. Found no no documentation record of this before the story appeared in uh, two thousand five on the internet. It's a bit of a shame, but yeah. we can delete that part of the podcast. Yeah. yeah. Keep it real. Yeah. Mm. 
Anyway, we talked about globsters previously. Oh, yes! Disgusting masses of unknown carcass. Rotting flesh. Yeah, a f- another famous one, which deserves its own little segment. The Zayumaru carcass. Mm-hmm. This was a... Um, where basically a Japanese fishing trawl off the coast of New Zealand oh, in the 1970s. Oh, so many New Zealand shout-outs in this episode. Yeah, man, New Zealand Every, heavy on the chat. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm scared to go home now. <laughs> Too many fucking sea monsters off the coast. What have you told people about the place? Yeah, <laughs> yeah so uh, a Japanese fishing trawler um, basically picked up this massive, gross carcass of something. Mm. And if you if you Google Zayumaru carcass... Spell it out for us, because the people need Z-U-I- to see this. Z-U-I... Y-O-M-A-R-U. Mm-hmm. Zayumaro. Carcass. Yeah. And it basically looks like a dragon, actually. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a rotting dragon. Yeah. yeah. So it has like a really long neck and it looked like even wings yeah. on it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, basically, they, these guys just took a picture of it and then threw it back in the sea. They don't want no bad omens <laughs> on the ship. <laughs> I'm in two minds about that. Yeah. Because I read that the captain was like, oh, yeah, that's interesting, I guess, but we don't want it rotting the fish that we've caught yeah so throw it back and i'm also sure they didn't want to keep that thing yeah, on board. it's pretty horrific <laughs> apparently it smelled really bad which yeah, i could believe as well. globsters do not smell good no, no. <laughs> and uh yeah so but it- but 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 at the same time that could be an unknown species to science yeah that could have been an underwater sea dragon that could have or or like a supposedly extinct plesiosaur. that could have been a tiny far could have been a tiny far yeah oh or a plesiosaur yeah or or just, in the end, a bit of old basking shark. Yeah, maybe a bit of basking, basking shark. Basking sharks are gross. They're fucking terrifying yeah. at the best of times anyway. Yeah, mm. not like bits of them that now looks like a dragon. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, you can see why the people get the tinfoil hats out for this kind of thing. Oh, they found this horrific looking beast. Yeah, there's also, there's also one more recently now in 2017 in Indonesia. They found another big globster. Another fishing troller found a big globster. And it basically has like a bit of trunk on it. Trunk? Yeah. Exactly, ah, and it's like it's, it's some part of a it's some part of a whale, basically. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know why it has trunk. You know what I mean? No, neither do I. Do, do you know what it's called? No. Oh, we might have to come back for a part two then. Yeah. Hmm. The unexplained Indonesian globster. Yeah, that's just about all we've got time for. So, yeah. thank you for listening. This was ordinary observations. Yep, you can find us on pod platforms or listen live on Wednesdays at eight o'clock. K one hundred three Instagram handle. At Ordinary Observations. Exactly. All right. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Good night. You've just heard a podcast version of a radio show by K103 Gothenburg Student Radio. You'll find all our shows at k103.se. Follow us on Facebook or Instagram. Stay tuned.